So obviously I didn't want to be doing a podcast at this point about this and you and I've been talking about getting back into podcasting but it's it's been a while because of the fact that we've had this thing I think they called it the coronavirus maybe I think it's uh, called the rona actually yeah I mean people abbreviate it in the most strange ways um and so a lot of the plans that you and I had had to kick the year off like a lot of people who had plans but then yesterday random oh by the way let's let's start again Welcome everyone to a Broken English production or films podcast. I don't know how you want to argue the minutia behind that. Um, but it came to my attention yesterday when uh, I was just out and about walking. A friend of mine messages me with a Deadline article uh, talking about how there's a production company called Broken English Productions. And I was a bit surprised about this. Because uh, I've had the name since 2008, been doing things with it since 2008, been branding and traveling the world and uh, really putting forth stuff to do with Broken English since 2008. You know what's also, it just, what's also interesting about that, that whole thing is that it's, um, I was thinking to myself, where did they come up with that name? Right. Because it's like what made them think of that kind of name. And then it's like then I realized just now that it's a it's a production company based on like um, uh, doing films for Latinos. Right. Right. In America. So it kind of plays on like the broken English of Latin American, uh, Latin American immigrants there. Right. So I guess that's where they derive it from. Right. And the thing is, is that's what we've done, too, because throughout the entire growth of the company, I'd been telling you about the multi-language angle and about things in different languages. And like, we regret nothing. It's also and no lamentamos nada, which is three different versions of the same thing. That was always the angle. I'm sure you remember the Prado conversation we had where I was telling you that I had the script in several different languages. And the idea was to do each one as a separate thing and the ease behind that. And stupidly, I've spoken to a lot of people about this, been open about it. Right. And I don't know if it's a great minds think alike thing or not or what or what. <laughs> but it seems quite close to what I had originally had as the inception with it. Um, and it's, it's rather off-putting because, of course, been branding with this name, been used to this name, people know us by this name. And now it turns out someone south of the border has some capital and they're trying to utilize this name for their own products. Well, that's not how it works. If they would have done a simple Google search, which would have taken them all of 30 seconds at most, put in the words broken English productions, then they would have known that the brand is already established in there. So they call, so they call themselves broken English productions or broken English films. Productions. Productions. But you know what we're registered as? A production company, a film production company. And it's kind of like the argument if you had something along the lines of Coca-Cola and uh, someone else goes, oh, well, I'm doing Coca-Cola sweets. No, you're not. That's not how it works. I'm doing Coca-Cola soda. Yeah, better example. Better example. But I mean, it's just, it's ludicrous to think that they wouldn't have taken the time to research this, to see that it's already there, 
go to Instagram or it would have taken a couple it would have taken a few minutes or a seconds just to figure out oh there's somebody else out there with the same name precisely that lives within North America that is trading under that name that has things to do with that name that registered that name in 2008 and you're going to turn around and simply go oh yeah I got this good idea sorry that's not entirely how these things work (laughs) We're going to see in the next little while if you get an influx of the people who are looking for that production company coming to you, confusing things, or coming to us. I mean, it's it's really frustrating because the thing is, is I'm all for what I read on the press release in terms of what they're trying to do. I like that. I would love to work with the people behind that. I'd love to work on similar related concepts and things along those lines. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, this is our brand. Like for the past couple of years, you and I have been developing things and developing things and developing things with it. Yeah, I it's just kind of it, like this. This is one of the funny little twists that happens in this whole <laughs> in this whole time. It's like, OK, who would have thought something like this would have came up where you're working on you're building up something. And then all of a sudden somebody comes along with a lot of more capital to. And starts using your name. So then that's put put us in a completely different sphere because now, you know, I I reached out to them. I haven't heard back, but I did hit them up for, well, basically last thing on a Friday. But I reached out to them to sort of go, look, this is a position. What is going on? I think we should talk about this and we'll see what happens next week. But um, we've had this going. This is known. This has been seen by lots of people. We've dealt with different things to do with it. Um, The T's and the I's are already there. So the notion that that just randomly changes because you throw uh, many millions of dollars at it, to me, seems ludicrous. And maybe I'm just talking from the perspective of the little guy. But uh, yeah, well, definitely the thing is here, legally, we have the leg up because this has been registered for years. There's been there's been not there's been things done under the name, so they have absolutely, from what I see, no advantage. No. So no high ground in, in itself there. And I mean the argument that one is called films and one is called film productions, or just productions. Nobody thinks of the creation of films without introducing the world production involved with it. You need a producer to produce a film. You need things to be created. They, they're synonymous. I, <laughs> let's just say this. I think people are going to get exactly these two things confused. So, they're, at, some, at a certain point, at a certain point, they're going to have to figure that out. And like I said, to me, I don't even sweat it because it's like there's no, they have absolutely no high ground on it. Right. So, it's either they, either they, Either they change or they have to compromise somehow. True. I mean, um, it's just, it's very bold of a company to not even take the time in 2020 to do their due diligence in terms of research. Well, maybe this might be a precursor to the kinds of films that they might make. Who knows? But I mean, you just, you just think about it this way, right? It would, it would have taken no time whatsoever to check on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. You'd have had that answered within milliseconds. And then you go, oh, well, they've got broken English films. Then we probably won't go with the same name 
to avoid confusion and to avoid any sort of liabilities or anything like that. But they've gone over that. They sent out a press release, a deadline. Um, I'm sorry, just because you send out a press release and you throw some capital behind it, that doesn't eradicate the fact that there's been 12 plus years of things which have established that name as something else. That's that. Yeah, that is that. Well, we'll see how that plays out. I'm not... I'm not even too worried about it though, because it's gonna be a it's gonna be a funny roadblock that they're gonna run into, or 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 some sort of conundrum. I mean, look, it's just it it astounds me. I'm not a lawyer or anything. I'm not a lawyer or anything, but I'm pretty sure we we have a pretty good case here. I can't see how we don't. Like, what is the answer going to be? What's the answer gonna be? If they turn around and they were to say something along the lines of, well, you didn't incorporate it in America. No, that's true. We do have the name in Canada and we are part of the World Intellectual Property Treaties. And therefore, surely you can understand that we do um, business with and interact with Americans. And we do that with other countries as well. We've been pushing the language angle. And the idea of broken English being a miscommunication of things, but art being something more than just that. And that's really that. I mean, I'm, I'm fully willing to speak with them about this, but I, I find it to be absurd. Um, and just that little bit of stress, which I didn't want at this time to have to deal with. I, I've been telling you about my rhythm with regards to writing and that. Wasn't really that creative this morning, believe it or not. <laughs> Something, something else is on being on your mind. <laughs> yeah, you know, you get an email from a friend saying that, and immediately the last thing you're thinking about is what's the next story you're gonna. Tell? Well, here's a. Here, that's a funny thing too. You, you probably, I don't know, I probably would not have noticed this if somebody didn't bring it, bring it to your attention, right? Because I don't think this is gonna. This would have been something that would have been splashed on uh, uh, Entertainment Tonight or something like that. So. Well, precisely. So, so it's just like it could have gone completely under the radar for a long time until like in the next little while you kind of like you discover through somehow that, hey, there's somebody else here operating under the similar name. <laughs> could have just wa- You could have randomly walked into the, the, the movie that they, the, that they uh, filmed and produced or something and then you just see the title Broken English, what, production, production right? Yeah. And you would have just been like, what the hell's going on here? You probably would have looked at me and go, did you do something behind my... <laughs> yeah, I would have been like, oh, what are you doing? I mean... Did, did you do something behind my back and not tell me? We had this logo. Why do we now have this one? Are you, direct- this and- <laughs> are you directing and writing shit under pseudonames and something like that? <laughs> I mean, as a side... Honestly, I mean, it could have been just like that. It would have been a weird... That could have just... A weird situation could have just went down like that where you just randomly just run into one of their productions and you're like, what the fuck? Well, and that's the thing. Um, the way I want this to sort of play out is simple and amicable. Um, I'm going to trust that they made a haphazard mistake and that they didn't check if it was already taken or not. And then we'll work out what we do from here. I'm only um, going to assume that it's a mistake. I mean, if it were intentional, then it would be stupid because there's just endless amounts of proof to justify that we've had the name and using the name and uh, trading and practicing under the name for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the notion that, that someone else would be able to just take that is absurd. So I'm, I'm trying to just benefit the doubt 
I've reached out to one of them. If I don't hear back next week, I'll reach out to more of them and we'll try and open up a dialogue and see what's what. But um, I don't understand how there could be any behaviour other than, okay, our bad, we saw this wrongly and let's talk about it. Yeah, we'll see. But that's definitely the only thing that they can say at that point, at that, this point. Right. Well, we'll see how it plays out. It's just it is it is just one of the most funniest turns of events I've ever seen. Twenty twenty's just been a fucking annoying year thus far. Um, headache after headache. It's been an interesting, a very very interesting year. Is this the first po- is this the first podcast of twenty twenty that we did that we've done? It is. So this it is, is the first. We've been intending for it for a while, but because I was standing in on woke, and then all of a sudden. Soon as that was done, we all got shut in. So I didn't have time beforehand, and then we haven't really had time after. When was that? When was when that? Was woke? That was woke. Yeah, that was January through March. Okay, yeah. So January, but we didn't we didn't do anything at that time, did we? In terms of podcasting, yeah, yeah. No, we stopped in December, right? And then we intended right. to get back, right? So this is the basically the first one of t- this amazing year, twenty twenty. By the way, by the way, when you got to understand when life gives you lemons, make some lemonades. I mean, this, <laughs> I'm telling you right now, there's going to be, I'm going to, we got to get on top of it too, but there's going to be like a million movies about this year. And I'm going to, I'm starting, I'm starting, I'm going to get on that myself because this has been the most interesting year I've ever seen. And it's only halfway through, halfway through. And all of this has all of this stuff has gone down. So to me, it's like if it's halfway like this, it's like <laughs> I'm expecting at this rate the alien starships will be somewhere, somewhere hovering over Manhattan. I mean, look, I I'm doing my best to not write or create anything with this year in mind. Like I'm utilizing the experiences and trying to use that to channel. But my God. Well, I got a million ideas so far. Million I I have a million ideas so far because of all this. It's like you actually I'm not maybe I won't talk about it now, but I'll, maybe I'll talk about it to you when we're not recording cuz I you know. Yeah, yeah no, of course. <laughs> I know learning our lessons from the production name. I don't want some certain ideas being stolen off <laughs> stolen stolen yeah, off the airwaves yeah. here. Yeah, there was no way of knowing that this idea existed before. <laughs> I've got a brilliant idea for a script based on the events of this year <laughs> yeah honestly it's yeah. like i mean you when things like this any writers that are listening to this and maybe looking for inspiration and stuff it's like to me the best kinds of the best inspiration is life is life experiences i can't i can't think of that many other things that are a great source like when i'm writing characters or especially characters it's most of it is based off of people I've come across and observed. So when you're alive in this year and you see all of these things go down, it's like things that even I couldn't have conceived. Um, I mean, what more can you ask for in terms of material and source? You have your own firsthand experience with it. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, yeah, yeah. From we, a creative yeah. point, from a creative point of view, this year has been. And like I said, I know for a certain people, yeah, I know it's like you know people have lost their jobs and 
lives especially. But um, if you want to look at it from another angle, it's just a from a creative from a creative angle. It's a lot of source material. Yes, I mean the thing is, is as you say, it's been a horrible and tragic time. I mean, we look at this realistically. There are there are people that have passed away and families that have lost loved ones that nobody there isn't anything that can ease that there isn't anything that can improve that yeah the only thing that you can glean from this experience is the uniqueness of it but even that is just a weird thing to sort of go yeah glass half full i know a lot of people are dead but it's but well, I, I i get what you're saying i get what you're saying in terms of even those situations right it's for me when this all came up definitely it messed up a lot of things but also those things needed to happen for certain transformations to happen yeah tragedy uh, I, as a prerequisite i have from what i've observed for transformation yes um and i think it's it's always important to try and see the silver lining as they say yeah in any situation yeah. it's just um yeah what what an amazing time right I don't know if you've been paying much attention to how they're trying to resume film. Um, number one, they're talking about getting rid of stand-ins altogether. So I guess the no, I, I never heard that one. Yeah, the, I've read that they've been trying to get rid of stand-ins to try and minimize the amount of people needed on set. So they'll just light it with the actors. Wow, um, really? How's that going to work? That doesn't sound like... I don't know. I don't know. Again... It's, it's hard to tell when you read things online with regards to the industry and with regards to different precautions, exactly what you can believe fully. Could, uh, you, could you imagine Tom Cruise standing in for himself? It's possible. <laughs> if if, if, I see, um, if I, that, that happens, that'll be like, I've seen it all at that point. Well, I think the thing is as well, they do have to modify so much. Um, I heard that Jurassic Park 3 well is it three i don't know the new version of the new version whatever it happens to be, <laughs> whatever, it is, whatever um, it is yeah that they're doing it in the interior reportedly they've got sort of like a five million dollar covid budget for it and that five million is to cover sanitation um you know really making sure that everything is top-notch safe and people can be monitored they're also talking about how each department will be on much more of a, a rotated schedule in terms of X will begin at one time. So say they'll have uh, the wardrobe department functioning from one hour to another hour, and then they'll have the construction happening from another hour to another hour to minimize the amount of people concentrated in a particular area at a certain time. But then when you think about it, when you are actually filming, it's almost impossible to be able to think of the complexities of a set with a bunch of different lights and sound and actors and locations and so on and so forth and background and etc um to think of that in a, in a separated manner and still make it look real unless they do make every single project like you described and put it in covid times um it's going to be interesting to see how that can materialize there's going to be a lot of those changes and i don't know how long they're going to be there because we're going to be dealing with this virus for quite some time. Um, so there's just, you know, there's nothing you can do in terms of that. And not there's nothing you can do, but you're going to have to, we're going to have to adapt. And it's just, unfortunately, this is the way it's going to be for a little while, right? 
we we still we still want the we still want productions to happen. We don't want it to stop, right? We're just gonna have to adjust things. Now, <laughs> this is gonna be a time that maybe the film industry can reorganize itself because I don't know about you, but working in this industry, I kind of observed that the the ways that they do a lot of things seem to be very archaic. Yeah, and I think this could be used as a time to start just reach organizing how a lot of the this industry works because I've observed so many things that are in place that have been there since the inception of film and they're not really efficient. The nature of a lot of businesses is going to have to change um, and film of course can be streamlined a lot more but it's also at what cost because the idea with everything is we want to return to normalcy and film as it was even with the long days and stuff the the feeling of being on a film set, the camaraderie and all that was a huge enticement and a huge plus. And it was, you know, the well-oiled ship worked really well at getting across to manage to get stuff done. Um, you can you can only sort of think about what it would or wouldn't mean going forward. So I'm, I'm very curious. And it's a big concern because ultimately... Film and art is very important, but people's health and actually being able to wake up the next day to do something more is even more important, obviously. I, I know I've gotten sick off of a set, so I know what it's like to catch something on set and be out for about be out for a certain amount of time. I know tons of people that have like Natasha has gotten sick on set and then I get sick as a result and I've gotten sick before on set with different things so someone like this um I think they said that it was on Riverdale or something like that that there was someone that had the virus yeah, and that's it's when a, everything when it comes to, to shut down from a production perspective <laughs> film sets are a great vector for viruses probably better than probably most places because I had first-hand experience what it was like to see something spread across a production and just take out take out half the people there. So which one was that? That was the Predator. I don't know what it was, but it, it spread on set and it took out like half the product. It took out half the people that were there, including me. Thank God it was only just, it was just lasted one day, but I don't think I've ever been more sick in my life that day. Wow. Yeah. It's just, I mean, it's, you know, every year something goes around, but it was remarkable to me how it's like, you know, I come back the next day and I'm like, oh, okay. I wasn't the only one that, I wasn't the only one that got it. <laughs> Cause it's like, you start talking to everybody and you start talking to people and like, yeah, so-and-so was out that day and so-and-so was like, not, was sick. And it was like something that just swept across the set. So like, yeah, I guess it's like, you know, having that experience in mind and then thinking about COVID right now, it's like, yeah. <laughs> It, that that would that would be the ultimate combination right there of the, of, a, of a great vector for a virus because I've seen it firsthand. You got all those people close together for hours and hours on a day in a closed off uh, place, you know, breathing the same air, eating the same food, uh, con all that contact, and it's just perfect. Yeah, I mean, look, a lot of things have to change with regards to getting back to shooting. I've seen that they've tried to resume things in other countries and they're trying to engage in uh, much greater distances between people and abundance of masks and or face shields or whatnot. 
I went to a supermarket yesterday. I went to TNT, which for those that don't know what that is, that's a, a Chinese supermarket in Vancouver. I'm not sure if it if it stretches beyond the Lower Mainland or, or what. It's owned by Loblaws. Which one did you go okay. to? Uh, the one at Southwest Marine. Southwest. Okay, the one in, oh, right, the one on Canby Street. Right. Yeah, I used to live right. near there and go to that one, actually. So I told you the first time I went there um, was two or three months ago, and they had a temperature gun, and they were giving out face masks. Um, now it's they're not giving them out. They don't do the temperature thing, but you are not allowed in without a mask. Yeah, it's when I it was the first place I felt like I was in some sort of dystopian future because most places were pretty. You know, they only just had social distancing. But when I went to the TNT near where I live here, it was like, you know, the guys on guard line up. You know, they scan you for they scan your they they put this that little uh, scanner on your head to make sure you have a fever, and then you can't get in there without a. Uh, a face mask so it was just kind of like okay this is like it's almost it was almost orwellian in the way it felt <laughs> it's just my it was just my feeling of it it was like wow this is uh this is uh <laughs> this is a phase transition this is like this is a definitely a new normal here and that's the thing, they're trying to bring back all these films, they're trying to bring back all these TV shows. Um, I'm very curious as to how that's going to work out. Um, same here. Also, the way they're doing the way they're doing auditions is different. Oh, have you been auditioning? Told us oh, that. Been auditioning? Yeah. No, I have I haven't gotten anything myself yet, but um just knowing talking to a couple of people who have, uh, it seems like what they're doing now is like basically I think they're like they're doing like a Zoom, like they're basically doing like a Zoom auditions, just like that. And then if you get a call back, it's, oh, no, no, I think I believe it's like the audition you can just tape. So you can just record it on your phone. And then if they call and if you get a call back, they'll do a Zoom callback. I, I kind of like that. I like the innovation behind that. Like when we were doing We Regret Nothing, um, that's the way I did it. And the reason why I like it is because the amount of time wasted... Um, in setting up, having the room and everyone reviewing it in a long, bloated manner is greatly reduced on the first round. You can see how people do or don't perform. And especially considering the primary medium being film and TV is how you appear and behave in front of a camera. And then the Zoom thing afterwards will dictate whether or not you are um, directable and, and really the way you interact with people. And then, of course, the face-to-face -face after that. But it makes, for me, I think it's a good save during this time. I mean, what's your perspective? I just have a little, I just have a little reservation, not a little reservation. I just don't know if, do they actually stop at the Zoom uh, portion of it? Or is it always, or is there a part where they actually see you face to face? Because I worry that, because yeah, definitely when you get auditioned live, you are on the spot, right? And it's not the same as when you just record at home and you can do a, you can do a million takes, right? And then obviously when you go to the next stage and you have all you have the producer, director and all of them putting you on the spot to perform, right? That's definitely uh, leaps and bounds be, uh, of, a, of a kind of uh, audition. It's leaps and bounds in terms of uh, auditioning, right? That's where the meat is. But I just wonder if could that substitute... Uh, can that ultimately substitute uh, 
face-to-face live one-on-one kind of like in the moment with the camera with with the uh camera and the producers in the room i'm just kind of worried about that like maybe people might certain people might slip through the cracks if you don't have that portion of it right and I, but that being said i don't know if that's been removed i think though that i mean it's a it's a multifaceted thing because number one you have the idea that with any sort of job interview or any sort of uh you want me to show you my best light it plays really well for the actor because i can spend three weeks trying to do well obviously that's an exaggeration but i can spend a longer time trying to come up with the best version and i can scrutinize myself and go that's right that's wrong which can be counterproductive because you can over evaluate but the point being is you'll be able to submit what you think is your best performance if you get it in by the deadline so on and so forth with that you end up having the great element there but again as you say it takes away from the can he or she on the day do this or is it they can do it after 200 takes? Well, you'll you'll definitely know with the Zoom audition because you can't you can't fake it then. Right. Like if right. <laughs> right. It, it's like that that part at that point they can definitely weed out most of the people who who can't do it. Right. Because at that point you got to you can't fake it, right? It's you're on the spot. It's just, there is just a little, it's just, all I'm saying is that, um, that doing that compared to the, in the room thing could, uh, make a difference. There could be, it could be a difference, but I'm not sure. I can't say a hundred percent, but I don't know, but I don't know whether that's what they're doing or not. If that's the, if that's where they stop, like they don't do any in room stuff anymore right now. It'd just be an interesting experience to see that because it's. I just have a little reservation about that. Just a little. If it stops there. I mean, I, I think I think it's the best that can be done at this particular time. Oh, without putting everything to a complete standstill. It's the best they can do at the moment. We'll just see. I think what's good. Well, I guess what's going to happen now is people in, any, in all the industries are just playing it by ear and then figure out what doesn't work and what does work. So that's just basically... <laughs> I mean, that's the best we can do at this point. It's just figuring it out as you go. We actually, the amount of stuff we've done as Broken English is huge. Um, I had forgotten to mention that in terms of even further furthering the brand name, last year we put on a play in Toronto, the Toronto Fringe with Broken English Theatre. So we have so many different facets of Broken English that it's just phenomenal um, that they wouldn't be able to discover that. <laughs> I know. Maybe they just came up with it at the last moment or something like that. Yeah, well, we haven't forgotten that we already have it. I think it's like when you come up with a great business idea and then you realize, oh, this has already been done. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, it has already been done. That's the thing. Sorry about that, but it has already been done. You're going to have to face that. We'll talk about it, though. Let us know. (laughs) But yeah, um, what we need to do, probably in the next one more, because you have to get to do... You have to get to get some filming done today um, for another broken English films related project, because of course <laughs> you guys seem to not be able to use the internet. Anyway, um, but we both, you and I, have been talking about 
the documentaries we've been watching as of late and how great slash horrible in their content anyway they've been like both of us have seen um the last dance the jordan one and both of us have seen i forget what it was called filthy rich the epstein one yeah slightly different content (laughs) (laughs) both about wealthy people i would say (laughs) yeah yeah just slightly um i heard a lot of mixed things about jordan though um in terms of certain behavioral things now i've never met the man myself and everything i've seen could easily just be a rumor or whatnot like what but yeah what? that rumors about what there's an incident with chameleon a rapper approaching him oh. And <laughs> oh i know that story from like years ago i heard i heard the story <laughs> oh yeah the chameleon story yeah. i mean <laughs> is that what is that what people are talking about now? That that I heard that story from him. Like it was brought up as like when the last dance came out, which is a phenomenal documentary. If you, I don't know if it would appeal to you if you've never had any sort of connection to basketball. I think it would though because it's a well done, well told tale which talks about um, life beyond the basketball court and sort of the friction between players and management and so on and so forth. But yeah, I thought the documentary was fantastic. I, I I think so too. And then me, I'm not even I'm not a sports guy. Um, I'm not a sports person, or really, a, I wouldn't say I'm a diehard basketball person. Either, basketball person either. But I've grew up watching Michael Jordan, right, and watching his story and everything. So I was definitely connecting on it from that. And it gives you it gives it gives me like a. It gave me a, a window, a, a deeper window into what was going on in that whole world and, and, and seeing what was, and kind of just seeing things from a different angle that I never got to see before. Right. Uh, it, it is, I mean, is there some rumblings, of, is there some rumblings about Michael Jordan or something like that that I'm not familiar with? I mean, I don't think there necessarily are some rumblings, but it was unearth stories about behavioral things that of course when you do have something big like a documentary like that that comes out it's never going to be just a documentary itself it's going to be all the tertiary stories and tales and what people didn't hear and opinions and so on and so forth yeah i mean this is there's this that aspect of things where uh, this is could be a, this could be a whole other podcast in itself but yeah i think people are awake put too much attention on like idolizing people and realizing, you know, these are these guys, these people that you put up there on a pedestal are just human beings, and they've got, they got their own faults, vices, and faults and uh, imperfections. Right, no one's perfect. Now, definitely, Michael Jordan is no Epstein, <laughs> so we'll just say that <laughs> he's not perfect, but he's no Mike, he's no Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah, I'm not sure you could really compare the two in any regard. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I would deal with uh, Jordan's gambling habits than uh epstein's uh, other habits you know yeah but but going but going to that i mean i thought i even knew i thought i knew the epstein story but um when i watched this documentary it was like oh no i didn't know i really didn't i really didn't see how deep it was was and it just further it just further entrenched something inside of me about that whole thing right it definitely seemed, I mean, it was probably one of the least explored portions of the documentary, but it did seem like his uh, suicide 
was interesting. Yes. Okay. Um... <laughs> Su suicide. For the people you watching the video. You got, you got a guy who... You got a guy who was theoretically trying to kill himself. I mean, he was put on suicide watch and then... Hey, you know what? It must be fine. It's been a week. Um, and then mysteriously, he hangs himself. But he... <laughs> The way that the... Was it the coroner that was saying this? Or, anyway, they determined that there was no way that that could have happened in the manner in which it happened. You know, his, his death could not have happened um, in terms of the damage to the body in the way that was publicly... It's one of those... Out there. I mean, like, this is another rabbit hole that one can go into. Um, but... There was just so much about that suicide, quote unquote suicide, that kind of just did not make any sense. It was like a, it was a com com comedy of errors that right. went down there that it's just hard to swallow, you know. I mean, but I would thoroughly recommend both documentaries. Uh, obviously, completely different content and depending on who you're with, completely different audiences. Um, definitely the Epstein one I would not be watching with anyone under a certain age and also... Family members, for example, it's not really. It's not something you can sit down and relax with. It's not. It's, it's not a. It's no, not a family no means, doc. By no means, unless that's your type of family, and if so, I've been. I've done with. Yeah, but it's for anybody. There's definitely anybody who's interested in either of those doc, either of those subject matters. I mean, definitely watch those documentaries because they are very, very, very interesting. Right. Um. Both. Are, I for what I I'll just say this. What I took away from each of them was um for the Michael Jordan one. It, I just loved. It gave me a window into his mentality, right. and right. to me, it was just like I the debate of whether the champions are nurture is it nature or nurture, right? You can just see that for me, it's like what gave Michael Jordan ultimately his ultimate edge was just his mentality. Like he has that, he has the winner mentality where it's like, I have to win at all costs. Now it could be a detriment to a lot of people around him. Right. But what gave him his edge was his mentality of like his competitive mentality. I think that's important. And for the Epstein, it's so important. And for the Epstein one, it's just, um, anybody who's watching it should just, and I don't want to spoil anything if you're not really have if you haven't watched it or got anything from it, but it just shows you that what was going on there was the tip of the iceberg in terms in terms of what's really going on out there in this world. And if you just read deeper into it, you're gonna see that there is a lot more going on there that even the documentary could have explored in terms of people and of power. I'm always curious when these documentaries come out as to what they will or won't include. Um, and they always feel like, well, I didn't find that with The Last Dance because it was like 10 hours long. But with the Epstein one, you feel like there's a lot more material that can be explored. Um, sadly, uh, that hasn't yet. So I'm curious as to how that will or won't play out. Because I'm sure, I'm sure people want everything fully answered and resolved. Uh, I'm curious to see what's going to come out of people like Harvey Weinstein, etc., um, when they fully expose what did or didn't occur within the Weinstein saga, so you mean just the Weinstein and his own saga, or Weinstein? yeah, him and his own saga, him and his own saga. Oh yeah, oh man, that's gonna be that's gonna be a 
that's going to be a beauty <laughs> because it's going to also just show you a part of Hollywood too that needs to be addressed. Yeah, this is... Uh... The thing is, it's like, and I say that because Weinstein's behavior was an open secret. Well, yeah, they showed for many, many years different actors and actresses referring to him in less than favorable manners and, and saying things where they'd suggest that they were very apprehensive to be around him, etc. But it was played off in a tongue-in-cheek manner and it was just... Yeah. It's it's the part about the it's, it's this it's that part about the industry that needs to be addressed. It's like this cult like behavior among people, right? It, it's like this culture of veneer, right? Sweeping things under the rug that are going on, and then the CD, and then the CD, and these CD kinds of elements that don't get addressed. Right. Yeah, like the like the whole casting couch thing happens. You see it right there. It's not a myth. I mean, the thing is, is uh, the term cliche um, is bandied about quite a bit, but it's usually rooted with some sort of modicum of truth. You know, these cliches emerge because these things have occurred, and it's often easy to turn a blind eye towards them. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm, we're going to wrap this up because you've got stuff to do. Um, this was a broken English. Films Productions Podcast. Get it right. Or a Broken English Films Podcast. Broken English Podcast. Whatever you want to call it. We want it sort of reaffirmed that the name was and does belong to us. Um, and we're willing to talk to anyone that wants to come up with something different. But it does firmly stand in our corner. Uh, any more thoughts, Paula? No, I'll just say to everybody listening and watching, stay safe out there and stay creative. I agree. Stay safe, stay creative, and remember who Broken English Films actually are. That's the most important part. <laughs> the safe part matters a bit as well.